This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. Auto News. Exclusive interviews. Real-world test drives. It's your turn to step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, this show is called The Drive, so our first guest up uh, appropriately is driving while he is going to be on the show called The Drive. His name is Carl Brower, he's automotive industry analyst, Forbes Autos contributor, and executive analyst for iccars.com, and they have just finished a survey or a study of some sort about how many people are switching over to hybrid vehicles now let me just tell you carl where are you the 405 what are you the 10 what are you yeah alan i'm hosting my own show today but i'm on the 405 (laughs) so i call it the crawl oh nice that's what i'm hosting oh my gosh i will tell you i have been driving for the last week the ford maverick and which the base model comes in a hybrid my wife says can i drive that and I go, yeah, I, I actually want you to drive it because she has a uh, she has an internal combustion engine vehicle, not electric, not hybrid, just a gasoline powered car, and she loves it. It's a 2021. I tell you, it's a Nissan Rogue. She loves it, and so she saw this this Ford Maverick that is it's a car, but it's a truck. So it's a four yep. doors. Yep. It basically is an SUV, a, a midsize SUV that they. They just uh, chopped the back off so you have a little pickup truck bed. And I got to tell you, I enjoyed the heck out of this thing. Now, she drives it for the day. She goes to Costco. She goes and does this, that, and the other. And then the next day, she says, I really like that. I think I want one. I'm like, what do you mean? Your your car's like barely a year old. She goes, it's so useful. I love it. I said, I know. And she goes, and I I love that it's electric sometimes. And it's, you know, then the, the engine turns on. It's a hybrid. That's called a hybrid. And she goes, I know, but I love it. And then it tells you at the end of every trip how much gas mileage you got out of that trip. And it's always like 51 or 49 or 53 miles per gallon because of the electric part of it. So you guys have done a study. Now, my wife and my, my daughter, of course, has a, a hybrid uh, Chrysler Pacifica says that she will never buy another vehicle that is not hybrid ever again as long as she lives. And I said, I, I don't disagree at all. What is this study you did? Well, first of all, she's right. And I always say that hybrid technology today is like fuel injection, like the 80s. Totally, right? totally. Once upon a time, that was only seen on really fancy, expensive cars and, and race cars in the 50s. But by the 80s and 90s, you didn't build a new car without fuel injection because it had so many benefits and it had gotten cheap enough that every car had it. That's where we're getting with hybrids. There's no reason to let a car slow down and have all that force, that stopping force, go up in heat. Why would you not recapture that in some form of battery and then reutilize it to promote and propel the car with hybrid technology? Right. No, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So every car, if it's not already, should be a hybrid. And for all the reasons your wife just noted. So the point of this study was to look at where were hybrid and electric, and it also included electric vehicles. So we looked at hybrid and electric vehicles as a percentage of the total vehicles in a given area. And we did that in 2014 and then in 2022 this year. 
And the idea was, where is it changing the most? Not where is it the highest, because it's the highest where we would all guess. California, Washington, you know, Arizona, this is where everyone was buying hybrid electric vehicles in 2014, and they're still buying them in 2022. But at the same rough rate, you know, the growth rate isn't that great there. Where has it changed the most? Where has the market share of hybrid electric vehicles gone up the most from 2014 to 2022? And the number one state, that's when I knew this was a good study that we had to show to people, surprised me, I think, was most. The number one state, Mississippi. Mississippi is wow. where the market share for hybrid and electric vehicles has changed and gone up the most in the past eight years. It's 241% growth. Now, just as a, as a relative comparison, in California, it's gone up 70%. So 70% growth is good. 240% growth in Mississippi, over three times the rate of growth in Mississippi to California. Right. And when you look at them ranked by growth, the number one state was Mississippi. Two was Hawaii. Three was, I believe, Utah. And now I'm driving on the Canada list in front of me, of course, like I normally would. But Wyoming was in the top five. You know, Alabama is in the top 15. Wow. So you're getting a lot of growth in unexpected areas. Green. Yeah. 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 If you said, what are the green markets in the country? Nobody's going to say Mississippi <laughs> right. or Alabama. All right. Hold tight. Wyoming. Hold tight. Uh, he's, he's driving down the road. Brian uh, Moody's going to be on again. I don't know why he likes following you. He's from Auto Trader. Carl Brower's on. Uh, Brian will be on at the bottom of the hour. We've got a lot to talk about in these next two hours. It is The Drive, and he's driving right now. Carl Brower on, uh, uh, what is it, uh, the 405. He's crawling. We'll be right back. Hey, brother. Getting a new ride is fun. Shopping online for a new car? Not so much. Stop doing the same car search over and over again on multiple sites and try Autotempest.com. See all the cars with one easy search. Our powerful search engine scours all the top car shopping sites, giving you instant results so you can easily browse all the listings with one search. Whether a dream ride, a family hauler, or a work truck, let us help you find your next ride. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. Oh boy! Crawling down the 405 in Los Angeles, Carl Brower from iccars.com. They've got their study on uh, the uh, where people are buying and where 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 they're. You know what they're buying and where they're buying it, and we're talking about hybrid vehicles. And oddly, the number one, uh, what we call it, maybe Carl, a transitionary place is Mississippi to move from internal combustion into hybrid vehicles. Um, right now, you're in California. We and we, how can we not talk about this? I saw something that in California they're telling Tesla owners to please not charge their cars during hottest parts of the day because they can only do either air conditioning or charging of cars and they cannot do both uh <laughs> you know so the electric car thing is kind of going out the window with the air conditioning anyway <laughs> that sounds like the future of personal transportation to me i don't know about you yeah. but if we can get to a world where you either aren't allowed to drive your car or you're not allowed to have air conditioning 
I think all of us would love that. So, yeah, that's the future. <laughs> it's either or. Uh, Take your choice. But anyway, it's, yes. it's frustrating, of course. And it's funny because, remember, this is hybrid and electric. It performs a vehicle that the study showed. And when you think about it, a place like Mississippi probably has a far better infrastructure. They actually should have more electric cars there than they do in California because there they probably can charge them all year round and not have to worry about the grid going down like you do here in lovely California where I'm at. Yeah, so, exactly. uh, good that they're growing in some of these places like okay, so, so Wyoming. The study is for people converting from internal combustion engines to either EV or hybrid, electric vehicle or hybrid, yes. not just hybrid. Okay, yeah. okay, I misunderstood. Yeah. The study is available at iccars.com, and all of our 100 yep. radio stations, all the people that are listening can go to iccars.com, and it's I-S-E-E-cars.com. I know, because it could be the letter C, but it's not. Carl, so I see here that you have also because I did not get invited, which I'm kind of happy because I don't like traveling anymore. You went to the global unveiling. You were there in person for the new Toyota Crown. It's a sedan. Tell us about it. Yeah, so a couple of things. First, it's, it's kind of wild that they're using the name Crown, which was the yeah. first Toyota sold in this country, the Toyopet. Toyo this was before the Toyota name was Toyota. It was Toyopet. And thankfully, they realized that may not be the best name to get people invest a lot of money into a company. Right. Let's go to Toyota. But the Toyota Pet Crown is the first make and model name of Toyota sold in this country. And the Crown has never gone away in the domestic uh, Japanese market. And it's actually considered kind of a premium and larger sedan. It's used everything from like hauling people around kind of a limo to even some higher end cabs. Crown sedans have been in Japan for hey, 50 years. We're the same way. We've got the Crown Victoria. <laughs> yeah, I know, which is funny because we right. have our own crown here. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But now there's the crown coming back to the U.S. after a long absence, and it's coming back as a standard hybrid. It'll all have one of two hybrid motors. Either, you know, there is no normal internal combustion version, and all of them will be all wheel drive. And the, the sedan is somewhat more of an SUV or van like because it sits four inches taller than a. Um, Standard version. Camry. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, than a Camry, and it's got a higher ride height, like another several inches higher than a Camry's ride height. So if you look at pictures, Toyota could have absolutely called this thing a crossover, and people right. wouldn't have questioned it. I think it's interesting that they're not trying that. They're just calling it a sedan, even though it's got the proportions and the look and the ride height closer to an SUV or even a crossover. Mm. But I, I think what's really fascinating is, again, you were talking about how much your wife liked the, Ma the Maverick hybrid truck. This thing's got a base engine that'll get like 38 MPG using the hybrid and, and all. And it's a big, roomy sedan. So to get 38 MPG out of it, it's impressive. But then it's got a performance version. Now, this one's only going to get 28 MPG, which is actually still not bad for how big the car is, but it's the high performance version now. And it's going to have a turbocharged engine that's tuned to make maximum torque between two and 3,000 RPM plus the electric motor. Which you and I both know they're all about low end, right, uh, low right. speed torque. It's performance. This thing's going to feel like a rocket ship. I think they're claiming a five seconds there to sixty for this thing. But you I know mean, what? you think about a motor and an engine working together that are tuned to make horsepower and torque at that low RPM. It's going to this thing's going to jump off the line. I saw pictures of it. We have to take a break, but I saw pictures of it. and I thought, what is that? A crossover vehicle? It doesn't really look like a car. It doesn't really look like an SUV. What are they going to call it? And then, of course, now you tell me they're calling it a sedan. Maybe they want to be the king of sedans. 
Don't go anywhere, Carl. I, mean, I know you can't because you're stuck in 405 traffic going two miles an hour. <laughs> uh, we're going to come back with Carl Brower, talk a little bit more about cars here on The Drive. Stay with us. Why should you trust Brembo Brakes? Because 60 years of racing, testing, braking, and bettering. Because dogs in the road, indecisive squirrels, and that kid chasing the lost ball. Because tiny humans in the back seat and blind turns in front of you. Because every car should be equipped with the same kind of performance, safety, and comfort that manufacturers and professional drivers trust every day. Visit buybrimbo.com and learn more about the most trusted brakes in braking. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. Well, our show is brought to you in part by ClassicCars.com. They also own AutoHunter.com, part of the Classic Car Network, which is actually owned by Barrett Jackson. Barrett Jackson Collector Car Auction. So they have the entire classic and collector car world sewn up with all this, including the journal. But uh, ClassicCars.com, you can find uh, the Classic Car Journal there as well. Um, Carl Brower joining us. He is the executive analyst at iccars.com. And uh, we're, uh, we're old buddies. He's crawling down the 405 in Los Angeles. And uh, as that's, I think that's the only way you can go down the 405 is yeah. the snail's yeah, pace. Yeah. Crawl. That's it. Yeah. So, Carl, do you see cars... Um, being just you know electric cars i mean if you look at your crystal ball and what they say general motors is all going to be all electric by 2035 and volvo and saab oh no no saab went out of business never mind jaguar (laughs) if i i was gonna say mercury oh no they're gone oldsmobile oh yeah they're gone you know because i think making the wrong choice right now by announcing something so big while you crawling down the 405 in, a, I'm, I'm sure, some sort of an internal combustion vehicle. Because, you know, I mean, I know you're not an electric car kind of guy. Oh, yeah, you did buy an electric car. What am I talking about? That's right. You had a Fiat 500. I'm just saying, there's a place for these things. But let me guess that that was one out of five internal combustion vehicles you probably owned, including your motorcycles. One out of five. And one of those could have been maybe even a internal combustion golf cart because there's choices there too. But to tell us that there's only going to be electric cars in the future, I think is lunacy. What do you think about that? You kind of said it all. I got nothing to say except ditto. (laughs) No, you know, look, Alan, I am not, you know, anti-electric car. No, I know. But I'm undeniably anti-forced electric car before their time. Yeah. You know, and before the before either the technology is ready or the market is ready, meaning the consumer. And when you have pricing on electric cars that you've got, which is substantially higher than internal combustion cars, and you have profit levels on them substantially lower because things like palladium and nickel and lithium have gone through the roof because of the short supply of those things. When you have that situation going on, and then you're saying we're going to sell nothing but electric cars, even though we can't build nearly as fast as we need to for even 20% of the market. Remember, we're between 3 and 5% in any given month is electric car share. If you double that right now, it wouldn't work. It would be impossible to double the share of electric cars right now. I'm not saying hard or be expensive. 
you couldn't do it. You couldn't fill enough people's garages with an electric car and process enough deals at car dealerships because they don't exist. That number, there isn't six, eight percent of electric car share to be had right now because they can't make them that quickly. And if they even made them because of how rare they are versus that many people trying to buy one, and for some reason that many people started to try to buy one, they'd have to charge a lot of money for them because of how much it would cost. And I don't think the car companies making them would make hardly any profit on those. So remember, the guy at Ford, the CFO of Ford, in, in a recent interview, admitted that the Mustang Mach-E was profitable when they first started selling it, and it no longer is profitable because of how much it costs to make the battery pack for that car because right. of all those materials. Right. So we have infrastructure issues. We have cost issues. We have profit issues. We have supply chain issues. And all of those things are somewhat true for every vehicle, including internal combustion, but they're all emphasized dramatically for a battery-powered car. And to say that we're going to just snap our fingers and fix all that and electric cars, well, this is a temporary thing, Carl. Well, maybe, maybe it's temporary, but like you're saying, Alan, in 2022 to say we know what we're going to be doing in eight years, people didn't know eight months ago that all the prices of those things that they make batteries with were going to shoot through the roof because of a war between Russia and Ukraine. I mean, I think there was indications eight months ago, but it hadn't happened yet and the prices hadn't spiked yet. So you're going to tell me what you're going to be doing in eight years when that's what's going on eight months ago? That's how much things changed? I don't believe it. I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Well, it's kind of like, you know, when you, when you hear, well, we didn't meet our projections. That is what we're going to all hear. You know, well, we projected, yeah. you know, we didn't meet our, our projections. You know, our profit was not what it was supposed to be. We didn't meet our projections. You think? And here they are projecting. Yeah. And then all they're going to do is say, well, we saw that this trend was going this way and, and our projections were a little off. So we're going back to, you know, building the uh, 5.3 V8 or whatever. It's, it's like, you know, <laughs> whatever it's going to be. And we know we're going to hear that way sooner than 2035. I'll guarantee you. I'll bet that happens. I'll bet there's a huge shift in the next 24 months. You know what I'm saying? I agree. You know, before I the agree. next and election. By the way, if they want to aspire to do that stuff, fine. That's what they should say. Right. They should say, we as General Motors or, you know, the French government or Britain or Volkswagen, whoever, we aspire to get to 100% EV sales by 2030, 2035, whatever. Totally. We're not saying that's what's happening. Yeah. We're saying that's we aspire <laughs> for that and we're going to try to go that direction. I'd have a lot more tolerance for that statement than the idea that we can tell in 2022 that in eight years, you guys can't tell. You can't. You know, in this environment? Are you you know? Yeah, you can't tell what's going to be going on in eight. You can't tell what's going to be going on in eight months. I know. Don't tell me what what you're going to do in eight years. Yeah. Let alone really. I mean, it's hard to tell what's going on in the next eight weeks, let alone eight months or eight years. Yes. Carl yeah. Brower, uh, iccars.com. You can find a lot there. iccars.com, executive analyst. Thank you, my friend. I'll let you go back to your crawl on the four hundred five. <laughs> It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not quite as entertaining to talk to you, but I, I can say now that I've been All right. You've inspired me. Have a great weekend. Coming up next is Brian Moody. He's going to talk about whether new prices of new and used cars are up or down, along with other stuff. We'll be right back. I got 
word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget, never settle, never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And our show is brought to you in part by Subaru and their new Outback. Go where love takes you, says Subaru. Thanks to Subaru for sponsoring our show. Uh, my buddy Brian Moody is here, and he's the executive editor of Autotrader.com. You know, I was thinking about Autotrader the other day, Brian. Here's a question for uh-huh. you. Um, I, I can't have... get you a deal. No. So you're going to say I can't get you a deal. <laughs> no, that's great, Because <laughs> I'm always like, can I get a deal on that? Anyway, yeah. do people, like, I, I'll give you an example. I've got a 79 Chevy half ton, what they call, it's a C10, so it's a half ton short bed, half ton short bed with a factory big block V8 engine, 454 engine. So 454 probably. Yeah. Who does that? Puts a, back in the day, who put a giant big block engine in a short bed half ton truck that, that really can't make use of that giant engine just silliness and we're in that season again with these awesome yeah right and we're in that season again where we get these you know like the raptor r now with the shelby gt500 engine and the 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 t-rex truck the trx from dodge with the hellcat engine but yeah that's and i think that's what this is so i am running this through an auction at hot august nights coming up on the i think it's like the third or fourth of august in reno because I think it's a very valuable machine, and I think it's going to take oh, sure. a, you know a classic car, classic car auction and a classic car show combination to bring all the audience together that are in the right mood to buy this particular vehicle. My question for you, Mr. Executive Editor of Auto Trader, mm-hmm. do you guys have people that? put like specialty vehicles on auto trader because nowadays there's so many different kind of crazy sites out there. Do people put stuff on auto trader? And if so, do you have some sort of an example you can give? Because to me, auto traders where you go and buy and sell your workaday cars. And it used to be, cause I listen, I was the biggest auto trader guy period. But my guess is that you're going to tell me I'm wrong that yes, people do because auto trader has such a huge, vast audience but do you have any kind of example if so you know as well as i do the one of my favorite phrases in life is to say alan let me tell you why you're wrong that's one of my favorite things to say (laughs) (laughs) and you do it a lot brian thank you for that no okay so there's a couple answers first there's auto trader classics so that's classics oh that would be like the 70s and 80s and 60s and 50s right so there's a whole site for classic cars but then there's newer cars that a lot of us kind of think are cool like i know everyone's gonna laugh at this but i actually think those 
late 80s, early 90s GM A-body wagons. So think Oldsmobile Cutlass, Buick Century. I think those are super cool. Mm. I'm not saying it's collectible, but I'm saying that there is a market for that. Mm -hmm. So for those newer things, Auto Trader is a place that you would put that. Let me give you an example that normal people will like, not just the weird one that I just gave. For example, there is a 1991 Toyota Land Cruiser. This is mm. a Japanese market car. It's turbo diesel. Mm. It's a 91 Land Cruiser with 13,000 miles on it, and that's currently listed for sale on Auto Trader. So wow. one of the great things about Auto Trader is that they just have so many listings. So weirdos like me, when they go looking for an Oldsmobile wagon or a Toyota Land Cruiser, you don't just get one or two results like you do on some other sites. You get a bunch. Right. So just guess, how much do you think this 13,000-mile 91 Land Cruiser, is, what are they asking? Just what's your guess? Well, you said it's a turbo diesel, so it's a, it's an import yeah. from Japan. It's a straight six, yep. Okay, so wow. So actually, this makes it more desirable with the price of fuel because those Land Cruisers in that era were gas-sucking pigs, but the turbo diesel actually makes it much more fuel-efficient. You have thirteen thousand original miles. I'm yeah. thinking in the in bonkers, the, right? Right. It's, how rare is that? But I'm thinking, you know, the high thirties, higher, mid forties. Well, Alan, I think if you were to ask this guy, he would say something like this: <laughs> "I know what I have. <laughs> it's uh, <laughs> it's fifty five thousand dollars." Wow. Well, do you know what though? Where are you gonna find that, right? And if if you That's had exactly to, right. if you had to take a Land Cruiser and you wanted a diesel, which a lot of people kind of like diesels, if, if you own a farm, you know, especially because you, you, you know, you've got farm diesel available to you, but yeah. you're not supposed to drive that because they take the tax out. But the thing is that you would have to create this machine normally and you'd pay yeah. probably, you know, I don't know, five or six grand for one that has two or 300,000 miles on it. It's worn out. This thing has 13,000 miles on it. If you went to go buy this today, you would spend 75 to 100,000 bucks to get this thing. So you're actually buying kind of two things at once. You're buying a classic because 91, my goodness, is 32, 31 years old. Yeah, and it looks, I wouldn't say like new, but it looks pretty darn wow. clean. That's actually, that, I don't think that that's a terrible, terrible price. And you're right. The guy knows what he has. And Wait, you know so what? do you think that this is, are you trying to say that this Land Cruiser is cooler than my 91 Buick Century wagon that I want? Um, just a little bit, but, and it also may be just a little cooler than your Saab convertible. No, it's not. <laughs> yeah. Get out of here. You get straight out of here. It's not cooler than that. <laughs> well, it depends on where you're from, but anyway. <laughs> no, I know these Land Cruisers, uh, like people really love them. I mean, well, there's a reason rare. why I bought the Saab because I'm a cheapskate and I love it. I wouldn't buy a $54,000 used SUV. My, I just don't have – Yeah, I'm not rich, let's just say. Well, that's a lot of money for that thing. But look, if we've been watching the auction sites, the interesting odd pieces like that, and that's usually where you'll find them at an auction because they want two crazies, yeah. like you said, car-crazy people, bidding against each other. But um, what's nice about Auto Trader is that you get to deal directly with the owner of the vehicle instead of having an yeah. auction in between yeah. you. Yeah. So and yeah, I, I a like a variety that. of cars. Yeah. Honestly, like yeah. I'm not just saying that because I work there. I'm saying that like as an enthusiast who sure. goes on there and looks for crazy stuff like a '92 Oldsmobile Touring sedan. Well, you know, you can find those here and there. But on Auto Trader, you go and look, and you're like, oh, look, there's 
three or four right there. So right, right. the variety that they have is amazing. Mm. By the way, this Land Cruiser has blue interior, so I think that makes it worth at least 5000 more. <laughs> All right. Well, better than... Um what is the worst color? I think vomit brown. That could be considered a bad color. <laughs> All right. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, th- that Land Cruiser, uh, wow, it'll probably be sold by the time somebody calls on it. That's uh, at autotrader.com. It just shows. And I totally forgot that you have the classic part of that whole thing going on there, too. See, that's a good thing we talk about this. Uh, Brian Moody's here. We're going to talk next about... Have you guys heard that BMW is going to start charging people to use, you know, like heated seats and heated steering wheels inside the car? Yeah, a monthly charge. I know, I know. Well, Brian's got the scoop. We'll be right back. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability, plus a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness. Well, you're listening to The Drive All Across America. And uh, we're talking with Brian Moody. Moody from Auto Trader. That's right. They're not booing. They're chanting Moody. Moody. <laughs> they're not booing. Well, did you get booed when you were like in they're school? Booing, but they're not. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so Brian. Sometimes, Alan, yes. I, I, you're going to find this hard to believe, but sometimes people call me this word and it starts with an A. I'm not going to say it. <laughs> they try, they call you Alan? Wow. exactly (laughs) brian allen moody i know i know what your middle name is (laughs) radio you're good at this there you go all right so let's talk about this crazy thing that uh bmw is doing with this upcharging this crazy what are they calling it it's actually got a name it's like in-car commerce or something i don't know What, what is it called yeah, well, man. it's called a subscription. Subscription. That's, uh, well, that's the, one. That's, the basic. Yeah. Well, so it, it is true that there is this whole idea of in-car monetization. Right. And for people like us, this is the part that it's a, it's a real bummer, is that it's going to have to be there because when cars eventually drive themselves and those are expensive to operate and maintain, they're going to rely on the revenue of you purchasing something inside that car like a coffee or a song, you know, for the ride to subsidize the cost of it. Um, I honestly believe that the whole idea of cars driving themselves, that's not going to be something you can just buy. It's going to be taxis that run on a predisposed route or something like that. But whatever, they're trying to find, imagine if you could tell someone, hey, you can keep making money off this car 10 years after you sold it. That does sound enticing on the surface. Yeah, it does, only to the, the, the people that are not thinking about consumers that want to own something and that don't yeah. want to have to pay a subscription for, the, yeah, I own it, but it doesn't work. It's like OnStar. I've I got don't a, think they're thinking I'm, of the ill will that it generates. Well, exactly. <laughs> you know what? It's kind of like OnStar. My car has OnStar. Now, the good part about OnStar is if you get into a crash, I think OnStar still works, the 911 part of it. But if you want to use all the rest of it, you got to pay into that subscription service. 
and it's the same with satellite radio and I'm on radio, but, and I like satellite radio and I pay for it. Yes, I do. But it's because it brings me news and it brings me so much. But if I'm just paying for with BMW's case, heated seats, dude, I'm going to buy them in the beginning, which there is that option too. But I, who doesn't buy them in the beginning? If you live in a well, cold climate. Well, there's also the idea of other features. One of them is uh, adaptive headlights. So it's strange. Arguably, you know, it's a safety feature that, you know, as you turn the steering wheel, the headlights swing and they point into the corner. I'm sure you've seen cars like yeah. that or you've driven cars like that. <laughs> yeah. You know, so Subaru, or here's an, a Subaru yeah. doesn't necessarily have that always on every car. But one of the things that, like, say, in a Subaru Legacy, for example, as you turn a corner, maybe the, like, right fog light lights up to illuminate the corner, right? Right. I mean, the idea, I think the thing that people don't like about this is not the technology itself. I think what they dislike about it is to say, you've already put the hardware in the car, you've already installed it in the car, and now you're going to withhold something from me right. at a price of forty, fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 so that you can sell me something else later. It's something that I don't imagine a brand like Subaru or Honda or Toyota would do. Yeah. But this is BMW, and I think it's a tough sell when you're like, man, I just spent $55,000 on this car. Yeah. I mean, if think about lucky. what that is. That's a lot of money. Yeah, if you're lucky. With a BMW, there's nothing $55,000 except the Mini Cooper. But you know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's like, well, that's which is made by BMW. And then they say, oh, did you want it to be good? Yeah. Oh, well, that's going to be $60,000. Yeah, well, then, then go ahead and pay the up price for it. You know what I mean? If you're buying a right. BMW. Now, they aren't doing this God. in the U.S., just to be fair. This is not in the U.S. This is in other countries, and they're experimenting with the idea of monthly fees for certain features. Yeah. Presumably, it wouldn't be any of the features that would keep you safe. It wouldn't be any of the features that would keep your car from performing right. as you would expect a BMW to perform. Yeah. So here's my thought on this. I think it's insanity. I would love to speak to somebody from BMW on the radio, frankly, about why? Why are you guys doing this? This is crazy. This is this is like a brand slaughter. That's what it feels <laughs> like. It really is. It's like you're taking a premium brand and you're making me pay for things that that you know, I got the money. Let me just buy it from you. Don't hold me hostage to my heated seats. My butt's cold. You know what I mean? It's like crazy. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm living in Czechoslovakia, and if I got enough money to buy a BMW, I want the heated seats now. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. That bugs me. <laughs> I, yeah, I agree. I think you're exactly right because it, it just, I don't know. I think this is another way of thinking of it is if you, if you think about it like this is that you're paying a, a fee that doesn't go down, right? So it's a fee that stays the same, and you're paying that, on a depreciating asset. Right. New cars are not appreciating assets. They're depreciating assets. Well, speaking of that, uh, what did you say the, the average price of the new car payment is right now? Oh, my gosh. Over $730. Yeah, that's the average price right now of a new car payment, you guys. And I went to get a loan on my Jeep, and they wanted $950 a month. I was like, $900? I'm not buying a mansion. I'm buying a Jeep. But you know what? You got to put down more down payment to lower that payment. <laughs> it's the price of cars.
does yeah. these days? And money's not worth anything. Oh, don't get me going, Brian Moody. We'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Shopping for cars online is slow. Checking all those different sites one by one, Auto Tempest doesn't like slow. That's why we sponsor NASCAR driver Chris Busher in the number 17 Ford Mustang. It's also why we created a powerful search engine that will scour all the top car shopping sites, letting you search used car listings from across the internet in one search. Why waste time searching each site separately? Use Auto Tempest instead. Find all the cars. Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. And real car guy. I don't know about the television and radio host stuff anymore. I don't really care about it. All I care about is... I'm working on old cars again, older cars, and it's fun. I forgot how fun it was because cars got so complicated. Brian Moody's joining us, executive editor at autotrader.com. You can find a lot at Autotrader, even the classic stuff, which I forgot about. I can't make it past 1991. If something needs to be fixed and it's newer than like 91, 92, I'm out. Yeah, see? So I'm working on a 79 right now, and it's so fun because there's parts everywhere. 70, 79 Chevy pickup, it's like 73 to 87 is all the same. All the Not all the same, but, I mean, mechanical yeah. bits and pieces. Similar. Very, Similar. Yeah, yeah, very interchangeable, and it's like, oh, thank goodness. Anyway, Brian is the guy that can always, because of the sheer amount of data that AutoTrader collects, talk about you know, the prices of vehicles going up and going down. And so what, what is going on lately? I, I, I still can tell you that the new car dealerships are still very soft on how much uh, inventory they have. It's very low. It's like the cars are spread out so far. It's like, Hey, what happened? Are they moving? No, that's just all the cars they have. You know what I mean? So here's a couple of, I'll give you a couple of little points. So one thing that's good is that there are actually a little bit more available used cars in inventory than there are new cars. So right now, new vehicle inventory for June is at about 1.1 million across the country. Used vehicle inventory is at about 2.45, 2. Point, so almost double, more than double. Yeah, more than double. More availability for used car inventory. And here's one more piece of good news. Average listing price for used cars is down. It's now 28000 That's a lot, I understand, for a used car. But it's down somewhat for June. And the average mileage on those is about 69000 So that means you're going to find plenty that are below, but there's yeah. also going to be plenty that are above. So that's the good news. Plenty of used cars. Average listing price of used cars are down. There's yep. an abundance. The day supply, if you if that's something that you want to talk about for used vehicles, is 49. So that, there's a, there's there's going to be plenty of used cars to find. Right. Here's the bad news. The bad news is new cars. The average listing price for new cars for June is forty six thousand dollars. Wow. Average. Basically. Wow. A couple of dollars. Yeah. And the average transaction price for June, which means the average price that people actually paid with options and all that kind of stuff, is a record 
for June, which is $48,043. So just over $48,000. Now, one thing about this that's a little bit misleading, it's not that necessarily the prices are raising that much. It's that the result is skewed by more and more people who are buying new cars, opting for the nicer version and more options than in the past. So they're, they're loading the cars up oftentimes because that's what's available. And they're paying a little bit extra because in some cases there's a shortage of new cars. So it doesn't look great on the new car front if you're looking for a deal because at the same time, credit is becoming more difficult to come by. Right. So they're being more stingy with credit. And the rates are up, the interest rates. So that's that that makes it worse. Yeah. You know, I mean, I listen, I went in and I they said you can get uh, a pretty good credit, you know, 3.5%. I thought 3.5, that's good. My buddy, I called my buddy, he goes, yeah, like a month ago, I got 1.9, same bank. I went, oh, because the interest rates are up, you know? Yeah, so, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. So a vehicle affordability is, you know, not great. The prices of new cars are up. The transaction price is up. The availability of credit is becoming, you know, is down, so it's less easy to get a loan. I think used cars and certified pre-owned cars are kind of the sweet spot. But what's interesting yeah. is certified pre-owned cars are down 17% year to year. So fewer people are considering certified pre-owned cars for whatever reason. I don't know what the reason would be. Well, that's an interesting one. But the condition of the, our world and our environment and our economy and all the things that are going on is taking its toll on uh, people's choices. You know, I mean, it's, yes. it's just a strange time in history, is it not? For sure. Yep. Brian Moody is the executive editor at autotrader.com. You guys can find a lot of this information. And that 13,000 mile 1991 Toyota Land Cruiser diesel that is for sale. It's there still. Yeah, see? Well, that's as we're doing the show, but we're taping it, so it may not be there when it... Well, they'll have to go look, won't they, Brian? Autotrader.com. They that's right. <laughs> All right, Brian. Thank you, sir. We really appreciate yep, you. Thank you. All right. Uh, coming up in the next hour, more car talk. I know it's amazing, but that's what we do here at The Drive. TheDriveWithAlanTaylor.com on the web and our uh, podcast. And thanks to all the radio stations that carry this show. We'll be back with another hour. Stay with us. Shopping cars online is a hassle, or is it? You probably search this site, that site, browse here, search there. Who has the time or the patience? Autotempest.com is the Internet's best car shopping tool. With one easy search, see all the cars from the web's top car shopping sites all at once. Why browse some of the cars when Autotempest.com gives you everything? Autotempest.com. All the cars, one search. This show is presented in part by Dodge. Domestic, not domesticated. <laughs> Step into the driver's seat. This is The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television, and radio host, Alan Taylor. So people have asked me before, why did you call the show The Drive? And it used to be that I would drive 750 miles each way to do the show. And I got to the point where I'm like, I just don't want to do The Drive anymore. 
And uh, when it came time to change the name from, I think it was Motor Trend Radio, is what it last was, because it was Motor Trend, and then it was Car and Driver, and then it was Motor Trend. And then I decided, you know what, I, stupid magazines, I don't need any of them. I'm just going to do my own show. I got 100 radio stations. What the heck? And I thought, I just don't want to do the drive anymore. I go, the drive? Oh, look at that. I don't have to do the drive if I have people like BJ Colleen who will call in. Hi, BJ. <laughs> Hello, Mr. Allen. <laughs> you, you used to come down to the studio with uh, with all the different friends that we had all the time when I used to drive. And now, when we would go down to L.A. for that, and that's where you lived, but now you are living in the, uh, the high desert, I guess you might say, outside of... Uh, Las Vegas or close to Las Vegas anyway. And then, but of course we had Carl on from LA just a minute ago and, uh, and Brian Moody was in Atlanta. So Los Angeles, uh, Las Vegas, Atlanta. And then I'm going to talk to a guy. Let's see. Uh, he says I'm free. So that means I'm going to be talking to a guy in Columbus, Ohio, I think is where he lives. So uh, yeah, around the country we go. And your job, of course, as you know, is to bring the news to the table. What do you got? Well, I've got a couple of things. First of all, I always say that uh, GM and Ford have no control, and that's absolutely true right now. But what I'm talking about is no control when it comes to driver-free vehicles. Driver-free vehicles, what we're talking about is they want to have up to 2,500 vehicles a year on the street that are self-driving but have no controls, no steering wheel, no brake oh, pedal. Oh, no. Here we go again. Yep. It's going to be for ride sharing and for vehicle delivery of packages and things like that oh, for like God. Amazon. And I'm cool with that. But the problem is, okay, you got a vehicle. It delivers the package. How's it getting up to the front of your house? Uh, They're going right. to have a little, little fake guy come out? <laughs> no, a drone. A, really long <laughs> a drone comes out of the roof and <laughs> <laughs> drops it at your front door. But see, here's the thing. All of a sudden, it starts to roll away for some reason. You go over to open the door, there's nothing in there. No steering wheel, no brakes. So this is a problem. I mean, I just don't get it. Why can't it be that they leave a steering wheel in there and they make it to where a human being could actually drive the car in case something malfunctions? Otherwise, you got these tow trucks. They're going to have to go out and pick these things up all the time, which takes a lot more if they're worried about the environment, oil and gas and everything else, because you got this big old giant tow truck driving around instead of this little delivery vehicle. See, so the whole thing is retarded. I hate to say that word, but it is. I'm trying to think, would I be comfortable getting in this vehicle? That's the biggest question. And if something happens, I can't control it. And I guess you can't control when you get in an airplane either. But it's still going to be kind of bizarre. And we do get in we get in monorails at the airport and, you know, things like that. But it's on a track and it's not going to – nothing bad really is going to happen because they don't go that fast. Now you're talking about a vehicle that's going 55, 60 miles per hour. You know, you don't know what else is happening on the street. So I don't know if the NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, is going to allow this. Right now it's open for public comment. Got about a month to talk about it, so go to the NHTSA website if you want to do safercar.gov, and you can talk about this. But I don't know. You have to start someplace. Is this where we start? So <sighs> it just depends. You brave enough? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. You know what? Here's the problem. It just is one more stupid thing to have to live with right now with all of the other stupid things that are going on in the world. 
what happens is it's taking jobs away from delivery drivers. Yep. And it takes the human touch away, which, you know, there's so many crazies out there. People are like, I'd rather have a robot deliver my groceries than a person because I don't know what the person's going to do and the robot is reliable until it's not. Until you yep. get, what's that movie with uh, Will Smith? <laughs> where the robots revolted, you know. I robot. I robot. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, oh my god. Or, or Skynet, even. Yeah, know? yeah. Don't worry about Skynet. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All right, well, hang tight. We got a lot of stuff going on. There's lots of stuff in the news and the automotive news. Anyway, forget about the the regular news. I know, I know. He's got he's got COVID, and he's got cancer. Anyway, we'll we'll talk about car news. It's much more fun. It is The Drive. Don't go anywhere. This could take all night. Think I need a devil to help me get things right. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Well, my girlfriend is on the phone here. She's my friend and she's a girl. Her name is BJ Colleen. And uh, automotive journalist extraordinaire. So much crazy stuff going on in the news. It's like the news cycle right now is out of control. And it's, it's even true in every industry in every way, shape, and form because of the delays in getting products. I ordered some valve covers for a hot rod. And my next guest that's going to be on after you, BJ, his name is uh, Boots, because he always used to wear cowboy boots. Anyway, he is a hot rod builder, and he's got a radio show like mine in, uh, on the East Coast. I don't know. I, I don't know. He's on a couple of radio stations, and so he's a buddy of mine, and, and we're, we're kind of car guys. And he says, let me get you those valve covers. I'm like, I need them right now. We're ready to start the engine. I'll get them for you. Don't worry. Let me just get them for you. I'm like, all right, you get them for me. So he gets them, right? Because evidently he knows somebody that can get a good deal. And I got a good deal. I don't know if it's a good deal or not. But but then he's got to ship them to me. So I go, just ship them. You know, don't go the most expensive route, right? So I call him and I go, look, it's been like five days. What's up? And he goes, hold on, let me check. He sends them. I think he sent them UPS. So he sends them to me and he checks the routing number. And he's like, it says they'll be delivered on... The 26th. And I'm like, wait a minute. I got to have this thing in an auction coming up. I go, what, what happened to getting this thing in a hurry? He says, yeah, that's the supply chain. It's a, he goes, don't blame me. I go, no, I should have just bought them myself. No good deed goes unpunished. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, a- absolutely. But everything yeah. is messed up. Everything because of supply chain, because of, you know, I mean, look at all these containers are sitting on the container ships out in the ocean and in the ports. And, you know, I was talking to uh, Dan Sandberg, who used to run uh, Brimbo Brakes. He he just retired. He was saying that a container, it used to cost, you know, like $5,000 to ship a container from wherever, you know, Japan or whatever to America. And now it's like 25,000 or 30,000 bucks. So, and look, we were talking about this the other day. 
somebody was saying that McDonald's was offering $21.50 an hour at this one McDonald's to hire people. How do you pay $21.50 an hour and sell a hamburger for a dollar? Because you're not selling hamburgers for a dollar. <laughs> you're anymore. not selling hamburger. It's not <laughs> hamburger. It's pink slime anyway. I can make pink slime in my blender. A little bit of concrete. That's the nuggets. <laughs> That's right. Anyway, what else is going on in the news? I'm ranting. Well, but, you know, to lead into that, you're absolutely right. The supply chain is just nuts. Uh, you know, I'm currently working on a, a national tour for some car brand that I'm not going to tell you about yet, but uh, it's coming up. But it's just getting simple things like we used to be able to just order tents, you know, and sides of tents and take, you know, two weeks. Now it's like four to six months if you want a side for a tent that you're going to put up outside. It's absurd, wow. but it it trickles down to cars, too. Uh, they're saying that, you know, car sales, we've been running at about $17 million every year, and then when COVID hit, it dropped down. And they're thinking this year it's going to be about $14.2 million. And it's not because people don't want to buy the cars. It's just that we don't have the inventory. The production, they're, they're trying to, you know, return it as quickly as they can. But you can see, I think Stellantis is saying that they're going to shut down one of the plants. Um, Ford is talking about they have to shut down the plants. And it's not because they don't want to build cars. It's because of the supply problems. Right. And it's just getting out of hand. And yeah. the worst one, forget the car industry. I just found out that they don't make root beer popsicles anymore the popsicle company oh is God. not making root beer popsicles and i just think that's the worst travesty of all of everything in the that world is, that's so. bad well brian moody in the last hour was talking about used car prices are down new car prices are up and then i'm looking on uh, noodling around on facebook and facebook marketplace a truck pops up i go oh look at that $103,000 for an <laughs> F-250. $100,000 for a pickup truck. It's like it's normal now. When did that become normal? What is going it, on it, with that? You're right. It's absolutely bad, and it's a bad dealer practice, and they're ruining. You know, we're going to remember this in a long time if you're going to jack up that price, but everybody's doing it. And I think the manufacturers, are, well, they can't because of franchise laws, but the government's going to have to stop in because this is price gouging, clear and simple. If 7-Eleven was doing it after an earthquake, they'd be paying fines and in big trouble. Why is it okay for the dealerships to do this ridiculous kind of price gouging where they're jacking up the price of everything from – from 5000 to to 30000 and then putting all these extras on that you don't want anyway. So something's got to happen. It's just not right. <laughs> I saw the funniest thing. It was a TV show. I don't know if it was a spoof. And the guy goes in, and, and he's got his car, and he says, I need two bucks worth of gas. It was an old 70s TV show. And so the guy at the gas attendant is today, right? So here we are, 2022. So the guy puts his finger in the end of the uh, gas nozzle and he gets a little and he flicks it at the guy's car. He goes, that's two bucks. <laughs> we'll take a break with more with uh, BJ Colleen, more news from the automotive world. Stay with us. Lord have mercy. I said, oh. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability. Plus, a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness.
with Alan Taylor. Our show brought to you in part by Subaru and the new Outback Go Where Love Takes You, Subaru. Also, thanks to the Collector Car Network, which includes ClassicCars.com, Auto Hunter, and Classic Cars, The Journal. Check it out at ClassicCars.com. And uh, the Collector Car Network, all owned by Barrett Jackson. Uh, BJ Colleen is joining us and uh, talking about a little bit of stuff that's going on in the news in the car world. Um, did I hear something about Carlos Ghosn? Where was he the last president of Nissan, the big Nissan group? Is that what it was? He was former CEO of Renault-Nissan Alliance. That's what and, it was, yeah. Yes, and I finally had a chance. I was on the plane, and all the movies looked terrible, but I saw this. It's called Carlos Ghosn, The Final Flight. And it basically was the documentary about how he got out of Japan. You know, he was smuggled out of there in a trap case for musical instruments and things like that. Yeah, but, but it hold, it, hold, fascinating. It, hold it, hold it, hold it, because this, the, just so for those who don't know, here is the president of Peugeot CEO. And, and Nisa, yeah, president, CEO, and I mean, the guy was the big guy, and he got arrested at the airport in Japan for you know whatever reason they you know they made all kinds of reasons up that he was doing all kinds of nefarious things and he's in jail for like a year right wasn't he in jail for about a year close to it not quite a year i think it was like more like six months or something like that it it was was forever it was like what is going on with this guy i mean you know he's president of major car french you know french and and japanese Japanese. i guess the japanese people uh, the government or whatever didn't like what was going on and so they basically just kind of stuck him in jail so uh, give us the kind of the highlights because he did escape in a musical instrument case when they let him out for some i don't know what it was he went home for his- oh they didn't let him out he was in his apartment so he wasn't in jail that's right let's a, just put, a home let's put it this way yeah. do not go to japan and expect to get out if you do something <laughs> that's a criminal case because right. they say more than 99 percent of criminal cases in Japan result in convictions. Right. And it's just, you know, you you make fun of America, but this really is the land of the free and due process. You don't get that in other countries as our young you know, basketball friend is finding out in Russia. Right. But it's the same in Japan, too. You think, okay, Japan's civilized, but that's not the way they work. So Carlos Ghosn, he actually was charged with hiding payments of you know the money that he made and just a bunch of like tax evasion that, or something like that not quite tax evasion, just not reporting his income and so i it's a, it's a whole big deal but the problem was that he thinks he's innocent and and i tend to always believe i believe his story a little bit more but anyway he so this the video the documentary the final flight is about him escaping and he had the help of two navy seal brothers and I think that they don't have the actual amount, but they, they got paid about a million and a half to help wow. him out. Now, that sounds important and good money, but they got caught in Japan. So they're actually serving time. So one is that's convicted. The dad was convicted for two years. The son was convicted for a year and eight months. And it's been a year. So they have the dad has one more year. The son has eight months left to serve. But when they get out, they got a million and a half waiting for him. So <laughs> is it worth it? I don't know. But they did help him. But Greg Kelly was a Nissan Motor executive, and he was in Japan, too. And his trial just finished in March, I believe. And he was convicted of some things, but not of other things. So they allowed him to come back home. So he's actually in Tennessee. He's just awaiting an appeal on that. But I can guarantee you, he's not going back to Japan for any way, shape, or form. So he's actually home. At, but he's been there 
for, I think, three years. That's how long that Greg Kelly's been there. And, you know, Carlos Ghosn, if they found him guilty, he would have been in jail for up to 20 years. So it's ridiculous. The, the Japanese, I mean, it makes me not want to go to Japan, to be perfectly honest. Right. That's how they handle justice. It's a little scary, to be perfectly honest. But it's just really sad. Now, Nissan isn't clear in this either because they didn't report some of that earnings either. They had to pay a fine of about like one and a half million, something around there. So everybody was guilty here. But the, what they really said, what Carlos Ghosn said, is what's the executives at Nissan that didn't want the French company Renault to have more control over what they were doing in Japan. So they said that they set him up. It's a little bit like, I guess, the, the Tucker story from way back when, how the big three had him set up. You and, mean and Tucker Carlson? You're talking about Tucker Carlson on Fox News? No, I'm talking about <laughs> Preston Tucker, the I car know, guy. From, you know, the, the unique car, because yeah. they had something special, and he didn't want to have that. Big Three didn't want to deal with it. Wow. And then I think it happened again with DeLorean. So yeah. it's tough being an outsider that people don't want you. They're going to gang up you on and figure a way to get you busted. So what Gone did was it talked about how they hired a private plane and how he got through customs. And it was fascinating because he did get on a private jet to Turkey and then from Turkey, they moved him to another private jet that took him to Lebanon, which is where he is. And he's basically a prisoner in Lebanon. He can't go anywhere else. Lebanon doesn't extradite people. He can't come back to the U.S. because they will extradite him to Japan. He can't go to Japan. So pretty much anywhere he goes, he's going to be a target, and the Japanese are going to try and find him. Amazing. So, and bring him back for justice. So it's it's crazy. Unbelievable. Crazy. Yep. Unbelievable. And he was like confined Good. to his home in Japan, and that's why he had to escape. Because yep, he, he, he wasn't stuck yeah. out. What a weird thing. But it's just kind of par for the course with the way the world is going these days. But anyway. All yep, right, right, BJ. Well, thank you for uh, for that. Uh, and So the movie's available. What is it called again? It's called Carlos Ghosn, The Final Flight. It's a great, because he's in it a lot. He's the one that kind of narrates and talks about it. So check oh, it really? out. Wow. Yeah. What a weird deal. What a weird yep. deal. Yep. yep. BJ Colleen, thank you, my friend. Thanks, Alan, as always. All right. Coming up next, I'm going to talk to Boots. Dan Longinette's his real name. We'll uh, be right back and talk hot rods. Stay with us. Getting a new ride is fun. Shopping online for a new car? Not so much. Stop doing the same car search over and over again on multiple sites and try Autotempest.com. See all the cars with one easy search. Our powerful search engine scours all the top car shopping sites, giving you instant results so you can easily browse all the listings with one search. Whether a dream ride, a family hauler, or a work truck, let us help you find your next ride. Autotempest.com. All the cars. One search. This is The Drive with Alan Taylor. And our show brought to you in part by Dodge Domestic, not domesticated. Now, uh, a guest that I've been trying to keep off my show for over a decade... His name is his name is Dan Longinette. He goes by Boots because he used to always wear cowboy boots. Where are you calling from today, Dan? Westerville, Ohio. Ohio. Kind of a suburb. Okay. Ohio. So Dan is sitting in his car because his air conditioning is on. He's uh, 
Yep. It must be humid there. That's what I'm guessing. Shoot. 95 degrees. 95 is nothing. It's the humidity that'll get you. Let me ask oh, you, what, do you what kind of car are you sitting in? A Honda Ridgeline. And why did you buy this car? I, just, I leased it for three years because <laughs> my accountant called me in the beginning of July, and he goes, hey, did you look at your gas receipts? I'm like, not really. He goes, you spent $920 on diesel. Last month. Very fortunate. I got a, yeah. Last month. Right. <laughs> and I got a one-ton GMC that I absolutely love, 3500 that I ordered. took me nine months to get it, but I bought – I'm a GM employee because I'm on Jake's race team, and we're a GM, high-performance dealer. And uh, I bought three new trucks in the last year and made four to five grand a truck. And when my new truck finally came in, I had like a – shoot, I was ahead 12 grand on my other trucks. <laughs> so you do a yeah. radio show just to introduce people to who you are. You are my direct competitor, which they say never have your competitor on the show that you do because then your audience may go over because you could technically be better at this than I am, which scares me a little bit. <laughs> I'm an Appalachian boy, though. I'm a good old boy. I'm more of a your professional guy. I'm more of an Appalachian Caucasian hillbilly. Oh my gosh, you just called me a professional guy. That's that's a sad well, thing. You're, good. you're on. You're on with uh, all the fancy folks in New York on Good Morning Columbus. I mean, Good Morning. America. Good Morning Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we became good friends what ten years ago, and uh, I'm on the East Coast. I'm from Canada. All the way down through Ohio, Kentucky, and North Carolina. Okay. So I'm kind of like a little dog leg down from uh, the, across the pond in Michigan. So I, I wish I could get out west. That's where all the cool cars come from. Well, listen, we've got uh, almost 100 radio stations that carry the show all over the country. So you, you actually have some audience that probably know who you are. Your radio mm -hmm. show is called Auto Smarts, Auto Sense. What is it called? Yep, Auto Smarts Radio. Yeah, Auto Smarts. Um, been radio. on uh, since. 2008. It started out as a TV show, but you know TV's hard to make money, and uh, I moved it to radio, and it's been great ever since. And, you know, I really saturate, the, it's called 610 AM. It's a huge antenna here in Ohio, so you can pick me up on Saturday mornings across the whole state in Indiana, West Virginia, and Kentucky, and Michigan. So our signal is very strong above the sea level. So mm. it's an AM station, but it's a big one. The AM's still pretty hot in this part of the country. Mm. So, Dan, what do you talk about on your show? What is the, the thrust of well, I mean, cars, of course, but, I mean, what's your weekly show like? It's NASCAR, good guys, classics, a lot of, you know, Model T to 55 to 1972, I should say. I'm a diehard Chevrolet guy when it comes to old cars. But I like them all. Anything that's quick and different. And, uh, you know, I, the ANC thing, I don't mind them, but I'm not into the Gremlins and the Pacers like a lot of the world. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I just put a Hellcat motor in one. I think it'd be cool. But <laughs> just not my thing, but I respect those who love all cars. And I cover everything. A lot of people call me just in general. You know, they have a lot of problems with their 08 Impala to their F-150 V6. A lot of click and clack, kind of. Right. But I don't make fun of my callers. I make fun of my, my workers. Randy, my co-host, also producer, has been with me since day one. Very educated, good old Indiana kid from Indiana University. Very, very great sportscaster. And me and him are the odd couple. 
I mean, he don't know the difference between 55 Chevy and 57 Chevy, but he's been around me long enough now, and he knows what an O2 sensor, a map sensor, and uh, why the converters are clogged on your uh, car because they're so expensive. But it's been a great run, and I'm very fortunate. I have a full-blown ride shop also. It used to be a Yamaha Honda Indian dealership that I rent the building from. And I got 30,000 square feet, and I've turned Ooh. it into this ride shop that I wasn't looking for. Yeah. Well, but you know why? Because it's hard to find good workers, people that do good craftsmanship these days and that are honest. And you're on the radio. You're an honest guy. Uh, you're a lovable guy. And you yeah. and I, even though I can't stand that you're on the same time as I am roughly in the morning, when you come on, I'm like, hey, what is this? Because I get a reminder that you're on the air. And I don't even think I do that. But anyway, let me ask you, what, what do you think? Because our shows are different enough that there's, there's room for everybody. Because I talk primarily about the newer cars, what's happening in the newer market and all that. But I'm curious because the show I started doing, which was called Auto Talk back in 1992. So it tells you this is my wow. 30th year of doing this show. We used to do exactly what you did. But the cars got so complicated that you couldn't help people anymore with these new cars because you got to have a, you know, a lab coat on and a stethoscope and you got to have plug-ins and computers and laptops to be able to diagnose the cars and all that garbage. So we thought, you know what? That's about the time I called Motor Trend Magazine. I said, why don't you have a radio show? And they said, well, if we had a guy like you, we would. So that's how that was born right. in about 93 or 4, whenever that was. But what do you think about car companies like General Motors and, and, and you know even Ford Motor Company and the big guys and, and, and the German car companies and the British car companies, Jaguar and Volvo? Everybody says they're going to be all electric by 30 2030 or 2035 or whatever it is some of them even by in the still in the 2020s if you know what i'm saying the 2025 27 yeah. does that bug you i mean when you hear that do you feel like it's it a bunch of garbage it, it does i really i and because i'm old school but i also say this on air all the time there was a guy once shoeing horses when a model t rode by and he looked at his business partner. He goes, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, a month later, he was working at Ford Build Model T. Right. So I, I think it's coming whether we like it or not. I'm not a fan. I don't think our infrastructure can handle it. Last month, when, when it got hot here in the Midwest in Columbus, Ohio, everyone turned their air on, and we had gridlocks everywhere. And we had power outage, and the looting started, and a lot of shopping centers were getting their windows busted out and people right. were stealing stuff. It didn't make the news because the news protects the, those people. But right. we can't handle it. That's the thing that scares me. The, the, I've had Priuses in the past, and I wholesaled cars for a living back in the when Priuses first came out. And I didn't mind it, but it always bothers me that people think electric's the answer where we still get most of our electricity by burning coal. I know. And <laughs> and this going, it, that's just, this going green initiative of blowing smoke is yeah. driving me nuts yeah. and my mom's side of the family are huge coal miners and coal mines have put a lot of food on our table but i'm about baby steps electric cars has its home i get it and i think tesla's done a great job with what he's done but people can't afford them when joe biden said that it, it'd be cheaper to have an electric car i did math on my show and it's not true because an electric car is double to triple than what your average corolla is and if you do the math on how much gas you spent on a Corolla in five years versus your all-electric car and your home electric goes up, you lose taxes to fix the roads. Our roads are already horrible here in the Midwest, in, in the Rust Belt. I call it the Midwest. I think that's right. But um, <laughs> our roads are terrible. We're losing tax. And if you think you, you guys on the West Coast 
they're starting to give a tax on your plates, from what I understand, to have your electric car on the road. I know. So All right, hold tight. I There's, think we're going too fast. I, I agree. I agree. I think um, I, I'll just leave it at that. I agree. Let's take a little break, and we'll finish more with uh, Boots here. Dan Longinette from Auto Smarts. We'll be right back. Why should you trust Brembo Brakes? Because 60 years of racing, testing, braking, and bettering. Because dogs in the road, indecisive squirrels, and that kid chasing the lost ball. Because tiny humans in the back seat and blind turns in front of you. Because every car should be equipped with the same kind of performance, safety, and comfort that manufacturers and professional drivers trust every day. Visit buybrimbo.com and learn more about the most trusted brakes in braking. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's automotive expert, television and radio host, Alan Taylor. Well, I'm talking to my buddy Dan Longinette. He hails from Columbus, Ohio, or somewhere thereabouts. Does a radio show called Auto Smarts. He and I are old buddies now that uh, we've done enough events together. And we're both car guys. He deals with the old cars. I deal with the new cars. But lately, I've been dealing with some of the old cars again, just because it's kind of fun. And, Dan, I have a couple of young guys that, that work with me. They're in their early 20s, and they, they want to learn more about cars. And so... I'm like, all right, come on down. I'll pay you. You can help me, you know, uh, pull an engine out of this pickup truck and put in. And while I've been here today, I get a phone call and, and the guy says, it runs, it runs. And he sends, he holds, the, you know, this phone next to the engine, blah, 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 blah. And I thought to myself, good, they got around. I wish I would have, they would have waited for me to get there to start it. But listen, I love the fact that they're excited about what they're doing and they're learning something. And I've had to learn how to have patience with these young folks because, you know, after, you know, long in your years like you and me, we've been there and done that. And it takes a certain amount of patience that we have to have for these young folks. But young people today, they are so different because they have virtual reality and Grand Theft Auto and they have all these crazy ways of experiencing the car without ever getting behind the wheel. What is your take on young folks and cars these days? Well, I've always said this. I, I embrace them as much as I can. And again, I'm not into their cars, but anyone who listens to me will hear me say that they can't afford a 69 Chevelle. They can't afford a 55 Chevy. They can't afford a Hemi Cuda. And it's a good thing for us old car guys to have these cars because they're worth triple than what they were in 1985. But I always look back when, when you and I were teens, you could see it's college became the thing. But what college brought was a lot of people who don't know the difference between a Phillips head screwdriver and a slotted screwdriver. Yeah, they're great accountants, they're great attorneys, they're great doctors, but when their car breaks down, they don't know what to do. So they've raised these youngsters. So when we were young, 10 guys, there was five of us wanted to be gearheads, and three were okay, and two didn't give a hoot. Right. But it's died off, and, and it hasn't been passed down. And, you know, when I see a young guy, now it's two out of 10, it seems like, and I really try to bring them into my world, and I help them with their, you know, their Neons or Mitsubishi Eclipse or their Honda Civic. And even though I don't know what heck I'm looking at, but you know, if you could build an old classic car, you can work your way around these new ones. They're not as complicated if you got a good scan tool. 
lot of plug and play and bolt here and there. But I really make over them. I host a lot of car shows in my region, and I always have young gun awards. I always have three trophies. I learned that from good guys. And I also have uh, future classics. And it's a few trophies that if a kid rolls in in a V6 Camaro and he's got a set of wheels on it, I give him best future classics. And some of the old timers will come up to me and go, what are you doing? I'm like, someone's got to embrace these kids because his mom and dad are probably not together anymore. His stepdad's probably a tool. And this kid wants role models like you and I. Yeah, he wants to be accepted into the group. Right. Yeah. No, it's good, man. It's good. No. You know what? One thing I've learned about you over the years, Dan Boots Longinette, is that you've got a good heart and you've got a heart for people. And I think people can hear that in you. And that's why you've got a successful radio show. You can hear him out of Ohio. Auto Smarts, you can look him up, Auto Smarts. And, uh, but your, your car show, is, is it a call-in show? People call in and talk to you about their cars. Yeah, my biggest thing is I get a lot of diminished value cases. I've, I'm in court a lot. I do, I'm like an appraisal company. I appraise a lot for Haggerty. Oh. They accept all my appraisals. I, I've appraised everything from uh, MG to a uh, 63 split window Corvette to convertible 57s. Uh, but uh, I have some friends, thanks to you, that uh, Joe Petrelli and different people that I'll call and bounce off numbers. And I got a friend in Texas, I got a friend in Florida, and I got Joe over in Arizona. And if I get a Copo comes along with 69 Camaro, I'll call some of the other guys that may know a little bit more about them than I do because sometimes it's hard to get comps. I know. Right, right. But it's really, I'm, I'm in my passion, and I'm so fortunate, and I wake up every day going, wow, I get to talk about cars. I get to help people with their cars. But when people call into my show, it's not so much, hey, my check engine light's on, what do I do? But every car has an issue. Now, I'm going to give you a secret that I don't tell a lot of people. I used to run car dealerships. And I have about three to four master technicians. One's a Mopar guy. I got a guy at a Honda store. I got a guy at a Toyota store. And I got a guy that was the best used car mechanic I ever worked with. And I can call them on break and say, hey, Sally Sue has a V6 F-150 and it's going blank. Here's what I think it is. They'll be like, no. If the ground wire under the passenger seat, <laughs> You know, we so used to I- call that. We used to call that a company called All Data. I don't even know if they're in business anymore. And it, it was a conglomeration of, uh, you know, data gathering. Don't go anywhere. We're talking with Dan Longinette Boots uh, about his radio show and our radio show and cars. It's just fun comparing notes. Don't go anywhere, Dan. We'll be right back, everybody. The word never carries a lot of weight. Never forget. Never settle. Never surrender. And now, Dodge is proud to announce Never Lift, the full throttle rally cry of stepping on the gas and never letting up. With the 475 horsepower Durango SRT 392 and the muscle car dynamic duo Dodge Charger and Challenger and the introduction of Dodge Power Brokers, your official dealer for legendary direct connection performance parts. For more on the Never Lift mindset, go to Dodge.com. Dodge is a registered trademark of FCA US LLC. Welcome back to The Drive. Now, here's your host, Alan Taylor. And my guest is a good old boy friend of mine, Dan Boots Longinette. Dan Longinette. His uh, radio show is Auto Smarts out of Columbus. And uh, he and I commiserate about cars all the time. Matter of fact, I called him 
and he helped me get some valve covers, which are uh, kind of uh, in the mail somewhere along the way for this truck that I'm building. Blown in outer space. <laughs> right now. By the way, you know, they got it running, you know, which is the best part. So I got a question for you. You, you, uh, you mentioned that you appraise cars, classic cars, obviously. Yeah. And, you know, there's an art and science to everything, but some things there's really no art and science to. You just have to call people that are in the know, right? Because you can't yeah, know everything. You know, when, when it comes to appraising cars, it's kind of easy. I appraise replacement cost. So, yeah, 69 Camaro is worth, say, 70 grand. But let's say the guy put fuel injection. Let's say the guy put some 20s on the rear and 18s on the front wheel-wise, put leather interior in it. I want to appraise that car so if his barn burns down and his car goes away, he gets enough money to reproduce, rebuild a car just like it. And Haggerty's really good about that. So is Grundy. There's a lot of great insurance companies. And the, the reason I got into it, because I, I, I know too much about cars, and I don't mean that in a bragging way. I just I study them. And every night before I go to bed, I Google one car thing, something I don't know. Like, how many gremlins did they make in 72? Or why did the Pintos blow up? Just little weird things that when I'm in a conversation, I don't feel like I'm, I want to impress somebody, you know what I mean? Because you're always, you know, hero to a zero. But well, one thing I learned a few years back was I was in a case where these kids caught a trash can on fire and burnt a buddy of mine's garage down. So when I jumped in on, he had a 57 Chevy hardtop and a 37 Chevy sedan with street rod. The company he was with only wanted to give him a total of 40 grand for both. And he agreed that they were both worth together 100 grand, but he didn't have guaranteed value. And there's a big word there. There's guaranteed value and there's agreed value. When you're insuring a classic car, take it out of your bundle. Leave your F-150 and your wife's Lexus and your home and your life on one thing. Take your classic and go to a Haggerty or a Grundy and get guaranteed value. Because I'm telling you right now, I've been in hundreds of cases where – the big, I'm not going to throw any insurance companies under the bus, but right. you know who I'm talking about, the yep. Barnes and the yep. Hams and all those guys. They do agreed, not guaranteed. So if your house burns down and you lose your 69 Camaro, you have to now prove what that car, what you had invested in. The agreed value goes away. Yeah, it's but not, it's guaranteed it's, let's, let's you, clarify. Let's clarify. It sounds like you're saying the greed value. It's the agreed. You agree agreed. on a value, right? But you know, it's funny. Yeah. You got to know this. I have been interviewing McKeel Haggerty, who's the owner of Haggerty. Uh, I know him very well. Since Super guy. 1993, believe it or not. Yes. And um, he's really pretty much the same guy he was back in 1993. And he has done amazing, amazing things. I was wondering because I noticed I was watching your show one day because you kind of have the the video from like, I don't know, is that your cell phone or whatever? Just going when you're on the no, radio. No, not on my Facebook. I've got cameras all through my studio. Okay. That whatever it was. Yeah. I wasn't going to give you that much credit, but that's all right. But anyway, you have, you have cameras on you, but uh, I remember when you just used your phone, I will tell you that. Oh yeah. I've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. But anyway, yeah. I saw the Haggerty in the background, but all right. I got a question for you in our final minute. 96 okay. Ford Mustang, 96 SVT Cobra. 41,000 miles. Now it's a V8, and it's the first year. Yeah, it's 4.6 V8. Yes, 4.6. I thought you said V6. It's got the 4.6 all-aluminum engine and cylinder head. So the the block and heads are both aluminum. First year of that, I believe. Anyway, 41,000 miles. What should that car be worth? Just curious. 
I would say now that you're turning up Haggerty, they have a real good way of putting in their system and telling you what's worth. But I'd probably appraise that car for. You're saying it's a Cobra SVT. Is it uh, uh, the Chameleon Pearl or whatever they call that color? Mystic? It's, it's actually it's called Laser Red. It's bright. Okay, you perfect. know, yeah, a beautiful car. Forty-one thousand miles. Fifty grand on that car. Woo! If they'll do it. Now I have an 08 GT500 that I currently have insured. They capped me at fifty thousand. Yeah, and I was okay. I wanted sixty. They did fifty, which is fine. You know, it is what it is. Right. But you know, those cars are going up in value because you know as well as I do. It, it uh, all the big auctions. It has a story and history. It brings more money. Right. Right. All right. All right. Hold tight. Hold tight. Tell people where they can find you. What's a website for you? AutoSmarts. Uh, AutoSmartsRadio.com. There you and, go, uh, Alan. I can't thank you enough. You've done a lot for my career. Believe me, Chip Foose hooked us up and. You've got open doors for me, and I can't thank you enough. Oh, it's my pleasure. My pleasure. Checks in the mail. All right, brother. (laughs) Thank you for being on. We're having fun. That's what we do in this crazy car business. That's Dan Boots, Longinette, Auto Smarts. I'm Alan Taylor. It's time for me to go back and uh, see how good my uh, Chevy pickup runs that the guys just put the engine in. We'll see you next week, everybody. Discover the 2022 Subaru Forester Wilderness, the second member of the Subaru Wilderness family. Featuring 9.2 inches of ground clearance, standard symmetrical all-wheel drive, and all-terrain tires for increased off-road capability, plus a design that's bold and protective at the same time. The Forester Wilderness unlocks a whole new level of adventure. Discover more at Subaru.com wilderness.